When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. So this is a special episode. We thought throughout this episode we'll find a way to sprinkle in some thanks to our wives who don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Let's just be honest about it. But maybe if we tell them we're doing some stuff where we thank them, them, maybe they'll they'll give a listen. So y'all may or may not know, but I make the schedule and put a lot of thought into the dates of release dates and stuff like this. And accidentally something happened when we put this one together. It's actually going to be released on the anniversary of me proposing to my wife. So that just happened to work out accidentally. Well done. So happy twelfth uh, year anniversary proposal to sure. Kayla. There we go. That sounds uh, right. Uh, Rob, tell them what song we're covering and kick a little of it and who we're uh, hanging out with or. All, all that stuff. In honor of our wives, this is You Are the Woman by Firefall. course one more time there it is oh yes that is you are the woman by firefall that is from the 1976 album firefall by firefall uh, it went to number nine on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number eight on the Cashbox chart, number six on the Adult Contemporary chart, number six in Canada, number 17 in New Zealand. It was the number 79 song for 1976 in Canada, and it was number 35 on the American Top 40 with Casey Kasem hey, in 1977, for all of 1977. Y'all will know Casey Kasem from the uh, Zach Attack episode of Saved by the Bell, wow. where he uh, talks about friends forever. Good that's, call. That's how y'all know Casey Kasem. I was thinking you might know him from as playing Robin on the animated... 70s Batman, Batman and Robin yeah. with like when they would interact with Scooby Doo and stuff that yeah. era that was that was Casey Kasem as Robin. Um, did we do? I feel like long ago on the show I tried to do a Casey Kasem and failed miserably. I, I was curious if who of us was gonna. I don't feel comfortable enough to try it. Yeah, give no, it a whirl. Uh, no, I can't. I know I can't do it now because I know the last time I tried it, I just, just bombed, slipped, and fell. But when I was younger, I used to listen to the Casey Kasem show every sure. week. And I could do it. But Does now, he still do stuff on satellite radio? He's dead. Never mind. Right? 
I don't know. Yeah, I think he's been dead a, a long Has time. He? Yeah, yeah. Do we Mickey Dolan's him? Or is he I really dead? Let's see. Let's look it up. Hey, Siri, when did Casey Kasem die? Oh, yeah, 2014. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he'd been dead for a minute. So the answer to that is no. No, he unless it's, they might do syndication. Yeah, you know there are re, there are channels on on Sirius and stuff where they do just reruns of like American Top Forty and stuff yeah. like that. So they might. But then you went to uh, was it Rick D's? Yeah. Rick D's and the Weekly Top Forty. Yeah, there it is. How about good. it? So we wanted to dedicate this episode to our wives because they have faithfully supported us in this podcast since Absolutely. we started it um, and have been such good sports in letting us devote like time and energy and money resources, and res- yeah. you know all this stuff uh you know to the show and been so cool about yeah. it um even though they don't listen but their support <laughs> comes in other ways sure. right their support comes in the way it, that they like they let us do yeah. this. And, and they, Kayla's been helping do the graphics here I was going to say, so. yeah, they enable us to do this. Kayla's been helping with graphics and posting, and your living room was decked out was. in your, your your dining room, not yeah. even your living room. The kitchen your, dining room. Your dining room was decked out in a big, like, great song podcast land. Yeah. We record at your kitchen table. It's <laughs> we are like, here at the table right now. Yeah, so... We just wanted to, you know, as the show is wrapping up, we just wanted to make sure we acknowledge, like, how how much we appreciate uh, everything that the ladies of our lives have done to support us in the show. And uh, we've got a great guest to help us thank them yeah. um, at the end of the episode. So That's y'all right. hang around. Jock the- Bartley yeah. of Firefall. Uh, he is the the only current founding member of Firefall that is still um, part of the group. Um, the but group is still do- going. They're but, doing the thing. Yeah, but he is the he is a founding member, and he is the he's not the last surviving founding member, but he is the only um, founding member of Firefall still you know still part of the group. So he's going to join us talk about this song and more. Um, this song part of that lovely. Uh, it's one of those things where like if it's part of that group where if you turn on Spotify Discovery or you know Apple Music Infinity or whatever. When you play this, the next song that you're going to get is probably going to be Dance With Me by Orleans yeah. <laughs> or or Poco yeah. or something like that, yeah. right? It's going to be that. Uh-huh. Um, it's very much in that style, very much of that era. Although I find it funny because to me, I always thought this song was older than I would have told you this was older than like Eagles. I would have okay. told you this was older than, you know, um, that can, like Poco and that kind of stuff. I would have put this song in the 60s just because of how simple it is. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like not the, overproduced. It's not overproduced and it's not <clears throat> like lyrically, it's not super deep. Mm-hmm. And we'll get kind of get into that. Um, and the, melodically, it's not super deep, but it's so, it just feels like, to me, one of those songs that has always existed. Yeah. I, you were born knowing this song, mm-hmm. right? The first time you heard it, you knew it forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the, that is one of the marks of a great pop song mm-hmm. is how many times do you have to hear it before you can sing it back? Yeah. Right? And this, the answer is one. Yeah. One time <laughs> right. you can sing this chorus for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you hear this song when you're eight... And somebody asks you when you're 75, you ever heard that song? You are the one. Oh, yeah, you can finish it. Totally, right? <laughs> That's good. It, it's amazing. And so in for those reasons, I just kind of thought that it was older. It had always existed. Uh, but it's from the late 70s, like yep. the late middle 70s. 
which puts it in, you know, right up there as a contemporary of Poco Eagles, uh, you know, Orleans, mm-hmm. all those, you know, kind of things. Um, maybe uh, a few listening notes. One one thing that we have throughout is flute. Heavy flute. Which is a thing that I would honestly, I know the song is like famous for its flute work. I wouldn't have remembered that. Same. So like the, I thought the same thing. Like I didn't, I remember obviously like you're talking about the chorus, but I didn't remember how heavy the flute was. It's, it's, but it's driving it. Saturated. And it's driving it. Dri- the flute's really driving, driving flute. this song. Here's an interesting fact. The guy that plays flute, we'll talk about him in the Meet the Band section, David Muse, is not even a member of the band. Like, he's just in on this song, yeah. and he's not, like, he does stuff with Firefall, but he's not part of the core right. of Firefall. He's not on the bus. Yeah. Uh, you know, necessarily. Um, so you have this lovely, you know, kind of flute solo bringing us in, and then, you know, throughout. Um, it starts with the chorus. You are the, you know. Um, which is pretty rare, but it's right away. They're like, what's the hook, Yeah, right? What's the part you're going to remember? Mm-hmm. They've got you immediately. Yeah. Let's start with it, you know. Um, some great harmonies on the, on the um, you know, throughout those sort of very like Orleans type harmonies, those like tender, you know, just being boys, just being lads. Lads being lads. Yeah, lads yeah. being lads harmonies. Um but I find it interesting that the verses are the sections with heavy harmony and like additional production. The cor- the choruses are actually simplified compared to the verses. So let's listen. Let's listen to a, to a verse here. It's not so much a pretty face I see. I nailed that. Yeah. It's not the clothes you wear. You got some like it's more that percussion harmonies, additional production element. It's just vocal, acoustic, and percussion here. You know what I mean? It's like it's the 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 chorus is really drier production wise because it, I guess because it's all about the lyric and melody. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's really put that out front. We don't want to bury it with other stuff. Yeah. Um. But the no the, distraction from that. Yeah. No distraction. Yeah. This is the this is the deal. And it's actually kind of funny because what do you think of as the melody of the chorus? If I said sing sing the melody. You are the woman okay. that I've always so, dreamed of. I'm not sure about this. I'm just making this take off the cuff. But I think they might only sing it that way the very first time. How else because the rest it? time, the rest of the time, they're going, "You are the woman that I've always dreamed of." Isn't that weird? Not well, you are the woman that I. That's the, yeah. Because yeah. listen, this is how they definitely how they came into the second chorus, and this is the third chorus we're coming into here. Yeah. Okay, let's find the next chorus and see. Okay, that feels like the second part of a chorus, like yeah. the repeat. Yes. You know what I mean? You are the love I'm feeling, that's just the bridge here. You got a way to set my senses This will be the test right here, yeah. the third one. Ah, they went back to the original. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's really interesting, so though. The that second one's there are the... four instances of the chorus. Two of them are one way, two of them are the other way, and it's, it's sandwiched, mm-hmm. right? And you've got that's really interesting. Okay, um, you've got a nice doubled split pan guitar solo. Check it out.
Okay, so listening through headphones, I'm going to say, I'm going to amend what I just said. Okay. Because what I said was that was a doubled split pan guitar solo. Okay. Meaning that they tracked it twice and and played it with each other split left and right. Listening through headphones, I'm going to say that I think that is a not doubled, but double mic'd guitar okay. solo. I think that was recorded. Played one time. Played one time. Two mics. With either two amps or or a microphone on each, uh, you know, if it was a double speaker mm-hmm. cabinet, mm-hmm. maybe a mic on each uh, speaker. Okay. And because... Why do you think that? Is it because it's offset a little bit? Or? No, it's because it's perfect. Okay. And if you were doubling it, there there's no some, way to make it You can't play perfect. the exact same there's, thing. There's mm-hmm. some difference either in timing or in your vibrato, it can't, you, you physically can't match that And especially up. in the 70s, you can't really, there's not as much, you can't shift stuff as easily. Yeah. Like, there's no logic or Pro Tools or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it's, and, and, and even, even within that, like, if you go in and double something on Pro Tools now, and you match up the timing exactly, like, there mm-hmm. are tools now that will let you do that, that will let you match up each note timing-wise exactly, but you can't match, like, if... If I sang the same note five times and stacked them all up, it would sound chorusy because your the vibrato and the the tiny 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 um, uh, differences in frequency you mm. can't match those. Yeah, right. But so that's what I think. That's what I think this actually is. And it, even if you listen, listen. Now we're getting back to the vocals. You know. So what you're hearing on the vocals is probably doubled. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of a chorusy sheen to it, um, and either it's an effect, but I'm betting it's just he sang the vocal twice and it's stacked on top of each other. But the 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 guitar solo being so clean, yeah, I think it's either double mic'd or we've just kind of got it panned to one side, and maybe there's just a reverb effect on the left side. One of those one of those things. So anyway, that's that's the difference. That's what I think. That's my official take. Uh, let's see. I do think it's funny that the first line of the bridge, um, is it's hard to tell you all the love I'm feeling. That's just not my style when clearly it's not that hard because that's what the song is about. (laughs) Yeah. It's not your style. You're just doing nothing but talking about it. Yeah. Unless he's just really struggling to get it out. Right. (laughs) If it's just like. This is if he passed out after he sang this. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. That's that we've used this joke a lot, but that's the I didn't come prepared to sing at church. And then you dump <laughs> your purse full of soundtracks out <laughs> right. on the counter to pick which one you want to do. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I wonder. Do you think do they do that at churches outside of the South? That's got to be a Southern that, thing. Gotta be where it's just like. You know, y'all pray for me. I didn't come prepared to say, yeah, but you know, you were hoping that you would get called up. The, the kind of churches that you and I grew up in <laughs> in the South, it was not uncommon to just ask somebody if they wanted to sing. Uh-huh. You would be like, before the sermon, choir has already sung or whatever, and they'd be like, you know, Sister Nancy, uh-huh. you got a song on your heart uh, today, yeah, you know, yeah. and they and you would just say, just come come on up here and sing a song yeah. for the Lord. Uh-huh. And she would get up and she would say, no, no, I didn't come, you know. Or sometimes people would even say it if they had. If you asked them on Thursday, uh-huh. you know what I mean? I mean, well, I didn't come. Y'all don't listen but, to me. Just listen to the words. But it's in the bulletin. Like, <laughs> like order of service. Yeah. I wonder if our church-going folks like up north or Canada, wherever you're, you know, uh, England, 
if uh, I'm guessing in the Do Anglican church, that's probably not. Do y'all know what a bulletin is? Does that joke even resonate? Right. So a bulletin, for those of you who don't know, is a four-page foldable <laughs> thing they hand out in church sure. that talks about prayer requests and order yeah. of service sometimes. Yeah, what's and going on, when the next when, breakfast when meeting the is. When the youth cook out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I wonder if uh, that's got to be a Southern thing now that I think about yeah. it, just the random calling on people to sing that has to be an Appalachian, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's literally, there's literally churches in, in our sort of tradition that th- will walk in with no plan as far as like what they're singing that day. Yeah. Right. And they just have people just start calling out hymn numbers uh-huh. and they'll be like, all right, three I'll yeah. fly away. Uh, yeah. You know, like whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's it's so funny. Southern church is its own thing. Yeah. It really is its own thing. So Southern, like, Baptist, Pentecostal, that kind of, that style of Southern church uh-huh. is, is definitely its own thing. Um, okay, here's the thing that we've never talked about in six plus years of the show. Okay. Um, that happens in this song. And I, I thought you were going to be like, we're going to talk about shape notes. Here's, <laughs> which from the church hymnal, wow. the red back hymnal. Shape notes. Here's the thing about shape notes. My mom can't, she can read enough music to get through but like shape notes, yeah, just perfect. Okay, like so flawless. Sh- shape notes is in hymnals, and this is not just like our tradition, but in no. a lot of like traditional hymnals, uh-huh. you'll see shape notes, and it's where you can follow your part of the melody by the shape of the note. Uh-huh. So a, a note head, you know, typically a note head in music notation ha- is is an oval, mm-hmm. uh, right? It's like yep. a dark oval or or a cir- uh, just a circle oval with nothing in the middle, depending on how long the note is. Um, Shape notes, though, the different parts of a chord If you know, for the vocals. One is an oval, one would be a triangle, yeah. one would be a square, uh, I and I can't remember what the other one would yeah. be, but you can just, fo- that's how you can keep track of where you are your in, note. in you the chord. You find your shape. Yeah, just follow the triangle notes, uh-huh. and that's you. And it's really a cool trick f- yeah. for like being able to visually follow. You don't have to know which of these is the alto note. It's... Which of these is the triangle, and I'm a triangle. I t- if you're like elementary, just learning, it's a really good intro way to learn. But if you've never learned it, it's weird the first yeah. time you look at it. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of a visual solfege, right? Do yeah. re mi mm-hmm. so solfege. Yeah. It's kind of a way to v- visually, at least, kind of enter in, you know, without having to know everything. Yeah. It's really interesting. That was a thing I didn't think we we're going to be there talking about today. <laughs> One thing we've never talked about yeah. on six years is shape notes. <laughs> So uh, my mom, I'll tell her to listen to it because she gets a reference too. So there, there you go. go. Come on, Gail. Um, all right, let's. So okay, this thing, I, it may have happened in songs that we've listened to before, okay. but I've never noticed it enough to to, to dig in, dig okay. into it. Okay? okay, so let's listen to two oh nine. Okay, we're gonna listen. If you're listening in headphones, we're listening to the left ear where the percussion is. Okay, okay. and the the conga player does something um, that we're gonna talk about. Did you hear that? No. Okay. Listen, you're going to hear a moan. Okay. You're going to hear a moan sound in your left ear. It's going to go. Okay. You You hear it? I don't. I missed it again. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's really prominent there because every a lot of the stuff is not there. It drops out. Two oh nine. One more time. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It almost sounds like a note. Yeah. It sounds like a six five yeah. bend on the guitar. It could be almost right. Okay. That is a a uh, percussion thing. It is called a moose call. Okay. Or it's called it's sort of colloquially a moose call. It is technically called a finger glissando. Okay. On the head of a conga. Um. And I can play it for you now a little more prominently. Okay, here's some. This is from a uh, from a YouTube channel from Alan Emsley, his percussion guy. But check it out. And so what he's doing is hitting it. You know that thing you can do with your cheek where you go. <laughs> yeah. Y'all can hear it. I Barely, can I can, it. I can, oh, I've only re- learned how to do this as an adult. I can't do it all yeah, the time. But anyway, yeah. it's basically that, but on a conga. Uh, you're, you're striking it, and you kind of gently rub your finger across the skin of the head, um, and, it, and it, gi- it gives it that, like, moaning note. Um, sometimes you'll see people, like, moisten their fingertip first, and that kind of thing, but anyway, it's that's called it's called a moose call, and it's a just a conga move, a, a percussion player move. Um, really neat though. People who can that's that's for like that's Pros. expert level. Yeah, you're not just gonna. I don't think I think that probably takes quite a bit of practice to be able to do it, yeah. especially consistently. You're here. It's happening throughout this. You know, it's mm-hmm. happening every two bars on this yeah. track. Um, you might be able to do it. You know, I might be able to do it once out of fifteen tries. You know, <laughs> I feel like, but it takes a real pro to do it right. Okay. Uh, what do you, let's do something. I've been talking a lot. No, you're you good. You, you want to hear who did that? Absolutely. And let's hear about the other let's folks find who out. did things. Hey, let's meet the man. It's time to meet the man. Hey, mama, let's meet the man. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, so let's meet the band that played in Firefall on this track. Um, on bass guitar, Mark Andes. He was in the band Canned Heat. Uh, spirit, yeah. okay, all kinds of other group apart from Firefall. Can, can Love he, his mints. Canned Heat, yeah, the band, not the song by Jamiroquai, okay. which is a great yeah, song. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, can't Andy's mints? I do too. Man, okay, Andy, sorry, no, so Andy's right. or York peppermint patties. Pick Andy's, one, Andy's, really. Yeah. I think I go York. Okay, um, Andy's mints for those of y'all that have ever been to an Olive Garden. There you go. That's what that's where you get those. Um, can't Heat does going up the country. Do you know that song? I don't think play so. it. I bet okay. you do because. This is a weird vocal hit. Like, okay. I have no clue why he sings the way he does, but it's it works. So play "Going Up the Country" by Canned Heat. Actually, and if you've got it, pull it up on YouTube because I want you to watch the video about okay. minute one forty. Okay. Because to tie in with flute stuff, flute solo in this song, and the flute player goes crazy. Okay, oh, it's it should be a black and white video. All right. I'll come over there and make sure we're looking at the right thing. This one here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So play it just to hear a little bit of the song and okay. then jump ahead to to 140 here in a minute. This guy is rocking the flute. And I wonder if it's the same guy, David Muse, but I don't I don't know this. Well, he's all up in the camera. Oh, dude. I think he sh- surely you'll know this song. He likes my own commercials and stuff. Oh, for sure. That... Find out that you sing like that. I mean, you know that is fascinating. Yeah. That is 
That is a white man singing the blues. That, that's it. That's, that's right. And he's like, I want, yeah, you're right. Singing it major as the day is long. <laughs> right. The, uh, so go, go to minute 140. There's lots okay. of flute in this song. This is yeah. like flute city. Um, 140 through like 156 and watch him just embrace this flute solo. Y'all need to watch along with us. Towards the end, like 156, it's going to be like, what is this guy doing? Wow. Wow. He is getting down. Dude, he's like bending down. Like... Dude, wow! Just like all over the place, it's, like it's an electric guitar. He's in like a twister position. Yeah, like at one point. I'm going to tell you something about that too, and I'm interested now to know who who exactly that was. If it's the same if guy, if it's the same guy, because it's similar. because he's playing the flute wrong, backwards, hands backwards. He's playing with one of his hands backwards. Yeah, yeah. He's so typically when you hold the flute. Um, and I know this because my wife plays the flute. There you go. Shout there out to go. Crystal. And one of my sons plays the flute. But it's, yeah, that your hands are holding it from opposite sides. And I'll He's teach, holding both from the same side. And I'll teach you the way that I learned how to hold a flute because okay. I have a friend that plays a flute. And I learned it this way just on my own. She showed me how to do it. Uh-huh. And then picture yourself playing guitar. Uh-huh. So like the way you would fret a guitar with your left hand. Yeah. If you're holding a pick from the top. Yes. That's the way you yeah. hold a flute. If you just move that up move to your mouth. Up. Like yeah. if you're playing guitar, move it up to your mouth. Oh, yeah. And put your right that's hand. Great. Oh, yeah. So that's. Yeah. Kind of- Dude. So anyway, he's playing it wrong. There, but obviously yeah. it's working but for him. But he's rocking like, it. He's self-taught on the flute. There like you go. this guy that didn't have classical Who, training. Whoever that guy is. Yeah. yeah. And, it's like and, those guys that get up to the major leagues with like super weird batting stances. Yeah. And you just go, what are you doing? Kevin Euclid, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. They make it work. There you go. Um, on electric and acoustic rhythm guitars and vocals, Larry Burnett, uh, he became a disc jockey for 105.9 WCXR. What a great post-rock and roll career for a rock and roller, right? For sure. To become a disc jockey. I hear Rick Springfield on 80s on 8 all the time. Mm. He's the guy, and y'all know Rick Springfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I thought that was cool. On drums, and I'm guessing percussion because okay. that's, I don't know if it's somebody, somebody separate. Else but, um, and there's, because there wasn't anybody else listed on here, but Michael Clark. Uh, Clark spelled with an E at the end. Okay. He was the drummer in the Birds, died at age 47 huh. of liver failure as a result of alcohol. Uh, he joined the Birds, crazy story, joined the Birds, but didn't have a drum set. He joined as the drummer with no drum set. Oh, man. So that sounds pr- like some crap I would pull. Dude, he practiced <laughs> on makeshift cardboard boxes and I guess just borrowed drum sets from other wow, gigs, like for from the gigs. other people they played with. Um, he's known as a jazz type drummer, but to me, I'd call him more like psychedelic as opposed to jazz. Okay. Um, if you want to listen to some, his drum work on the bird stuff, go to eight miles high is the song, uh, okay. minute one thirty four. I, I really can't get into the birds. I've okay. tried. Um, I mean, turn, turn, turn. That's what it is. Uh-huh. But for the most part, I don't, I don't listen to much birds. Okay. Do you? Now eight miles high. That's the song that's referenced in American pie. It may be. Right? I, I think we talked about that, that that's a reference to the birds. Oh, when yeah. you said American Pie, I immediately went to the movie. The movie. Because <laughs> I just saw the guy that anyway, the guy that's in Rookie of the Year is also in American Pie, and oh, all of his man. songs are references to Rookie of the Year, American Pie. Difference. Really? He does, uh, yeah, for, you know, Stacy's mom has got it going on. Uh-huh. He does Stifler's mom has got it going okay. on and does a remix of that. Oh, that's really, so, so he's leaning he into, is leaning into oh, okay. it heavily, okay. heavily. He's trying to capitalize on that's that. That's awesome. Which is pretty smart. I guess. And then he sings Henry's Mom Has Got It Going On from Rookie of the Year. Anyway, um, on acoustic guitar and vocals, Rick Roberts, 
Um, he was in a band, the Flying Burrito Brothers. I don't know if we've talked about them before, but they have a song called Hot Burrito Number One. Okay. And let's look this up because I want you to hear Hot Burrito Number One. And there's not a song that sounds anything less like a song that should be called <laughs> Hot Burrito Number One okay. than this one. So picture in your mind, what's Hot Burrito mm. Number One going to sound like? It's not this. All right. From the album The Gilded Palace of Sin, 1969, <laughs> here's Hot Burrito Number One. Wow. Wait till the vocals come in. It's not. Yeah, that's that is mistitled. You may be sweet and what? Nice, <laughs> it's like but that, that is not hot burrito number one. No. Hot burrito number one is a satch song. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a Joe Satriani flying. <laughs> It, You're right. It's flying in a blue dream. It's not flying burrito, brothers. Hot, Hot burrito, burrito number one should absolutely be a Joe Satriani song. Anyway, uh, Rick Roberts <laughs> on on piano, clavinet, synthesizer, and the flute guy on this. He also does a little little harmonic in there. Not a member of Firefall, but played on this album. David Muse. We talked about him earlier. Uh, died of cancer of 2022, but played with all kinds of folks. Marshall Tucker Band, Boulder County Conspiracy, uh, with our guest, Jock Bartley. That was another band they were in. Uh, former guest and f- with a friend of the show, Birdie Higgins. For okay. all things Birdie, go back to Season 10, Episode 11, and hear go. us talk uh, Key Largo. Um, and then lead electric and slide guitars um, and some Bigsby Palm pedal guitar, Jock Bartley, who we're hanging out with. So uh, hang around to the end, guys, and here's hang out with Jock. Man, that was a great meet the band. Pretty there, good, was, there was a lot going on. A lot there. happening. That was hot r- burrito number one. <laughs> that was that was rich. Uh, the song going back uh, now to "You Are the Woman." It was the lead single. Uh, I'm sorry, no, it was the second single uh, from the Firefall album. Which, by the way, great album cover. Yeah, it looks like a very modern album cover yeah it um, does i imagine that's a that's a colorado landscape somewhere you know this Could is all be. this is all this this sound is the colorado mm-hmm. like uh not folk rock what's the word what's the word i'm looking for like country rock mm-hmm. kind of you know it's so, uh, not southern but it's because it's not southern rock it's not southern rock no it's this california ca- country rock eagles yeah. type you know stuff that canyon the laurel canyon midwest you know. rock I yeah yeah um Anyway, Canyon Rock. Southwest I kind of like that. Canyon Rock. There you go. <clears throat> um, but the the first uh, single from the album uh, was called "Livin' Ain't Livin'," which if you're ca- if you're counting, that's three words, three apostrophes. That's a one hundred percent words to apostrophes <laughs> ratio. That's awesome. Um, that's great. <laughs> but uh, I'll play a little bit about here's here's "Livin' Ain't Livin'." <laughs> We're going saxophone. Yeah. There it is. That's David Muse playing sax on that. All the empty words I've spoken, all the promises I broke. I mean, that's just yeah, beautiful. It's perfect. That is, this is the epitome of that sound. Yeah. Now they all come back to haunt me, and the silence seemed to taunt me. That's great. Cause they turned the tables round the other way Living is easy when someone cares Someone to call you their own Living is lovely with somebody there Living ain't Okay, so 
now you listen to you listen to Live and Ain't Living, and you go, I could see that being the same band, yeah. right? If you heard those two songs independently, you could go, I could see that being the same band. But let's listen to track four on that album, and you tell me if you would listen to this and go, this is also the band that did You Are the Woman. Okay, this is track four. This is called No Way Out. Funk. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost cameo. Yeah, right. It's almost. I'll tell you the thing that would help me tie it back in. Okay. Is Jock's guitar playing? Okay. It's the sparse lines uh, that he throws in patiently. Yeah. Like he waits for gaps and then he'll hit a little right. bow, 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 yeah. line. Yeah. There you go. Right there. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, just waiting, hitting his spot. Yeah, he's picking his picking his moments. So that's one of the things, and I think we talked with Jock about this, that when they when this song came up as a thing, when you are the woman came up as a thing, they were like, it's not exactly right, but we have to do it because it's a hit. Yeah. Right? Like, we can't not record that song because it's it's going to be huge, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be, and they're right, you know what I mean? That's there to be with you by Mr. Big. Yes. It's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's the one that, like, people that only know one song of uh-huh. theirs show up to concerts and are pretty surprised yeah. by some of the rest uh-huh. of what they do. You know what I mean? Because it's, yeah, it's <laughs> that's a great comparison. If you show up to hear Mr. Big... <laughs> Just for I'm the one who <laughs> and then they come out green sixties like ten and sixties minor they like speed metal you in the face yeah like at the beginning you're yeah. like what is happening that's great uh, okay let's see Rick Roberts the lead singer who wrote you are the woman um, he said originally that he was overthinking the verses and he said that once he realized that it didn't have to be anything deep the verses just came pretty easy and the feel and the chorus. Are really what's you know going to going to carry the song and the the you know the sentiment of it uh, from Wikipedia, Jock Bartley of Firefall would account for the popularity of "You Are the Woman." Thus, quote: Every female between the ages of eighteen and twenty four wanted to be the woman portrayed in the song, and that caused their boyfriends and spouses to call radio stations and subsequently flood the airwaves with dedications yeah, of the song play this and, and the sentiment. It, yeah, right. The message was simple and sincere, and the song was easy to sing. It was like our fans let us be a singing version of the Hallmark card that said what they weren't quite sure what to express. Um, end quote. So there, there we go. It's like, and it's true. It's, you know, uh, boys expressing their feelings was maybe not as much of a thing yet. Yeah. You know, and, and so we were like, let's just let Delilah dedicate it to, you know, uh-huh. to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you ever have any? With Delilah. <laughs> the album at the time uh, was the fastest record to hit gold status in the history of Atlantic Records. Wow. Um, that's impressive. I, and uh, yeah, and I don't know. I assume that record probably, I mean, doesn't stand now. But yeah. for sure at the time, it was the, it was the quickest to hit gold. This is interesting. So the band name itself, Firefall, it sounds like. It sounds like it's going to be a youth uh, youth group band, right? Like <laughs> youth for the name, this like, is definitely the name of the middle school worship team. Yes, you know, yes, this is, yes, absolutely. The album cover is just red, yeah, just red to all days. <laughs> yes, but it's not. Um, 
It comes from an event held at Glacier Point in Yosemite National Park. Which, if you pause it right there, could still be a youth event. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this we have. This is the conference. That's right. The Firefall Conference at Yosemite, guys. Yeah, that's come, right. Come be with us this year. Israel Houghton's going to be there. That's and, right. Uh, you know, who else? Anyway. Um, but it, it, the event was called the Yosemite Firefall. In the summers, the owners of the Glacier Point Hotel would spill burning embers from the top of Glacier Point to the valley some 3,000 feet down. That doesn't seem safe. It does not seem <laughs> safe, um, but it created the the look of like a fire waterfall. Yeah. Um, and so they called it the Firefall. The event started annually in 1872 and lasted almost 100 years before being shut down by the National Park Service in 1968. And not because of the fire hazard. Not because of safety. Not because of that, but because the crowds who gathered to see it were trampling the meadows in the park. Ah, um, messing up the park. And because it was a man-made event and not something that was naturally occurring. So they were like, you know, this is a national park. Let's keep it. Mm -hmm. We're doing something weird here. So they shut it down uh, in uh, 1968. So crazy. Which was before this. I mean, this was eight years years before the Mm -hmm. song came out. Um, but I don't know when I can't remember when Firefall was formed though. This was not their first record. Mm-mm. Um, but I, I have to go back and look. Anyway, uh, let's see. I think I think I have maybe one or two I other got a couple things. things. I got to stump the genius. I got the songs with names in the. Okay, top. let's do. Let's stump the genius, stump and then we'll the get to a couple other things. All right, perfect. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. We're going to play Stump the Genius, songs about fire. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So this is one where I'm cheering for you. All right. Uh, just name the artist. Um, okay. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't do Fire by U2. I'm pretty sure you would know the artist, but not sure if you know the song. I also didn't do On Fire by Switchfoot. It okay. takes too long to get into the words. Okay. I, love that, that, um, I wasn't sure if you did all the piano intro. Okay. Also, couldn't do Crossfire by Stevie Ray Vaughan because it's inside the word. Okay. So this like, is only this the word fire. only the word fire. It okay. might be fire with something else, but okay. it's fire okay. that stands alone. Okay, so 10 songs. Okay, and six, I'm naming the artist. Naming the artist. Okay. Six seconds each, so let's do a minute. Give okay. yourself a minute. All right, one minute. Six seconds, unless you're feeling really aggressive and want to try five seconds each and do it in 50 No, 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 let's do it in Let's, let's do, do a minute. Because I'll get hung up on one for yes, sure. and pass. If you get stuck, pass. Okay, yeah, ready and go. Hendrix. Taylor. Uh, Springsteen. Pass. Doors. Billy Joel. You shake my <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. Johnny Cash. Van Halen. Back to this one. And I was over. Oh, I'm good. I got 35 seconds. That's Adele. That's right, Adele. There we go. Boom. Bam. Freaking killed it. Man. All killed right, it. Good. That's amazing. <laughs> Bell. That's hilarious. The Bell's seen better days. Hendrix, James Taylor, Bruce Springsteen, Adele, which you passed and came back to, Doors, Billy Joel, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Van Halen. Wow. So that, that would be... awesome. See if I can pull up, pull up the song titles now. Okay, Hendrix. So Adele's uh, set Fire to the Rain. Yep, Hendrix. Hendrix is Fire. Yep, James uh, Taylor. James Taylor is uh, uh, Fire and Rain. Yep, Springsteen. Uh, Springsteen is I'm on Fire. Yep, Doors. Doors is coming, baby. Light my fire. Light my fire, yep. Um, Billy Joel. Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lewis is Great Balls of Fire. Johnny Cash. And Ring of Fire. 
And Van Halen. And Van Halen is, is on fire. Yep. Very good. Nicely done. All right. Fantastic. Freaking killed it. That was good. Fire round. Yeah, man. Turns Coming out, over I know to lots you. of songs about fire. Um, okay. I just went through a list. We don't have to play these. Just wondering um, other songs, other famous flute solo songs. Okay. Um, of course, you've got probably the most famous flute thing for our generation. Titanic. Oh, well, okay, that's not that's not that a flute? proper flute. No. It's like a penny whistle or okay. a, it's a it's a flute variant. Okay. Um but it's not like a straight up flute. Um but it's like a, a tin whistle or a penny whistle. Yeah, it's like an Irish flute kind okay. of you know kind of thing. Um but I I would think for the our generation probably the most famous flute is Ron Burgundy. Yeah, the Yaz um, flute. The Yaz flute on Anchorman. Um <laughs> Let's go. And I can't Har- Harlem Shakedown is that what it, East Harlem Shakedown is that what he calls it? Um I think that's what it is. It's like something Harlem. He's another one that didn't come prepared to sing, he and he pulls right. the flute out of his sleeve. That's right. Um, but uh, we have... Um, Aqua Lung. <laughs> that's right. So that would be a reference to uh, Jethro Tull uh, with uh, you know Ian Anderson um, and uh, the flute, uh, you know, flute as part of the Jethro Tull band. They're probably the most famous song with the flute is Living in the Past. I, the song Aqua Lung actually... Is their biggest hit, but doesn't but have any flute, flute in it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so that would be reference to Jethro Tull. By the way, I'm sure we talked about this in our Metallica, Metallica episode way back. But, but that the but, one of the funniest things in history is that Metallica lost the heavy metal Grammy to Jethro Tull back in the day. They were like, and so the next year when they won it, Lars, when he accepted the award, he said, "I guess we got to thank Jethro Tull for not putting out an album this year." Um, so let's see. How about uh, California Dreamin' by the Mamas yep. and the Papas? Some really great flute stuff in there. Color My World, Chicago. Yes. Great flute stuff. Um, Interestingly it, enough, I've probably shared this in the Chicago episode, but the time that my dad met my mom, the very first time they met, dad is not an accomplished pianist by uh, any stretch, but he can play that. A lot of major uh-huh. seven chords. Yeah. And mom sat down beside him and he played Color My World. There we so go. That's, so that's their song. I thought you were going to say she sat down beside him and played the flute. <laughs> Pulled the flute out of her sleeve. <laughs> played that solo. Uh, here's an interesting one. And this was weird because when you said interesting story, I was literally about to say interesting. The word. Next word coming out of my mouth was weird. the word interesting. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, Manfred Mann's song, The Mighty Quinn, mm-hmm. which we talked about in our Manfred Mann episode. With Chris Thompson. A little bit with Chris Thompson. Um, but the uh, the flute solo on that was played by Manfred Mann's bassist at the time, Klaus Vormann, who, in addition to being a musician, also was a graphic designer. Okay. He's the guy that did the Beatles' Revolver album cover. Wow, that's played awesome. Played the flute and bass in Manfred Mann. That's awesome. Isn't that weird? That's pretty diverse. And his name's Klaus. Klaus. Klaus Vorman. Uh, that's V-O-O-R-M-A-N-N, if you're uh, trying to look him up right now. Uh, Moondance, Van Morrison. Yes. Another, another flute song. And uh, then maybe, I would say, probably the most recent. Have we talked about what a train wreck that song is at the end? <laughs> no, Moondance. No. We could take it. It's awful. It falls apart <laughs> after the... It's like, it falls apart. So, anyway. Y'all, uh, next time you're listening through What a Marvelous Night for a Moon Dance, listen to the train wreck that happens at the end of that song. That's correct. Uh, I would say probably the most the the most recent uh, flute flautist who, who is part of pop culture is going to be Lizzo, right? She plays the flute? Yeah. 
What? I didn't know that. Dude, it's a whole thing. Yeah? It's a whole thing. She plays the flute well, okay. and she plays it hilariously. Okay, now like, I need to watch that. Oh, my gosh. So, like, her song, I believe, uh, about... Time, time yeah. is uh, has has flute stuff in, in it. In a minute, for sure. I'm gonna play a little yeah. flute solo. Really, there you go. I need yeah. To hear it. Um, but you, what you really need to do though is watch her. I think it was her first. I don't know if it was Grammys or American Music Awards, but it was like the first time she performed live at a music awards show. Uh-huh. Uh, you need to go watch it. Okay, okay, because she's she's all decked out. Right, and she's playing the flute in the middle of this thing, and she stops in the middle of a flute solo and just swears into the microphone, and then goes right back <laughs> to the flute. It's absolutely hilarious. <clears throat> and um, there was a thing; I think it was earlier this year where um, she got to play. There is some like one of the I can't remember who it was, like James Madison, okay, like founding father yeah. James Madison had this flute made of crystal. And she got to borrow it from like the National Archive or whatever. I think I remember that story now okay. that you're talking about it. We that, might have talked about it on a catch up episode. I think so. Yeah. That um, sounds familiar. And so she she got to like play it and, you know, whatever. There's a thing uh, I just saw recently on YouTube of her getting to play. Um, I think she was duetting like the Pink Panther song with. Um, with somebody anyway yep. in the studio on the flute, you know what I mean? It was, cool. it was really cool. So anyway, that's probably our most recent. Okay. It, so our kids' generation, we go Anchorman, we go they, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Our kids are going to go Lizzo as famous, and famous are, flautist. Parents are going just Mamas and the Papas guy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and, right. And between those generations, it's David Muse of Firefall. That's right. There you go. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So the last thing I've got is uh, I wanted us to maybe think through, because this episode is dedicated to our wives. Sure. Uh, my wife's name is Crystal. Your wife's name is Kayla. And so I was like, find your favorite Kayla song. Sure. And I'll find my favorite Crystal song. Sure. Um, I was disappointed in the amount of Crystal material that I found. Okay. Now, it, there's definitely artists. There's like sure. Crystal Gale and whatever, but I'm talking about a song. There's songs. With a word, with the word in it. There's only a few that I can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm. for Crystal. So I'll tell my favorite Crystal, okay. too, just to give you that one. Okay, so yeah, I and I'll that, tell my favorite Kayla. Okay. okay, I know there was a Elton John one and yeah. a Fleetwood Mac one, but it, I... On I, principle, I couldn't go with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I get it. Um, so my favorite crystal is Crystal Ball by Styx. So mine too. Oh, mine too. That's what I went with. Crystal okay. Ball okay. by by Styx from the album Crystal Ball. I will love it if your favorite Kayla song is my favorite okay, Kayla song. All right. um, do you want me to tell you my? Fa- I, I already told you mine. My favorite Kayla song is is Kayla by Flying Colors. I, you didn't tell me that. I didn't tell you. No, but that's mine, dude. Oh yeah, that's mine too. Wow. Uh, Mike Portnoy, Neil, yeah, Neil, Neil Steve Morse. Morris. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, go to minute <laughs> one fifty if we're okay. gonna listen to it. Let's hear. Uh, that that I, I earmarked which part I would want. Freaking to hear. amazing guitar solo yeah. on the song. Well, there we but go. The, the way the the way the chorus comes in. Yeah, it's like it's in. Uh, what is is it? Is it seven four? And then it goes into a six eight chorus. Is that right? Maybe. The other one was uh, the, I can't take credit for this one. This one wasn't my favorite. Completely different feel. A guy named Steven Sanchez, who actually uh, Micah talks, who we hung out with uh-huh. last night. He produced his last album, oh. um, and they're on, uh, and he's on tour right now with Stephen Day. Um, but he's got a song called Kayla. Cool. Okay, this song is just beautiful. This is Kayla. awesome. So let's get into it. Hang on. Yeah, we're in seven. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, Let's seven. forget who we Let's just play a little bit of this. Yeah, I'm good I'll with it. I'll play a little bit of Crystal Ball. So check out this groove. We're at seven, four. Then the chorus is going to transition to a six, eight, or you can call it six, four if you want to. I like Casey's voice a lot. Three, four, five, six. Key change. Just beautiful, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah let's hit that one, guitar solo. I said go to 150. 150. Because this is a okay. good little transition that would still get you some chorus and some. <laughs> yeah. I, that was oh, yeah. I love that hit into the. Let's hear this guitar solo. This is Steve Morse on the guitar. And Dave LaRue of Dixie Dregs is the other guitar player. Yeah. Neil Morse on vocals. Neil Morse, yeah, playing keys on this okay. one. Yeah. Don't know who played sitar. I like. I freaking love this song. This guitar solo is might be my top ten, really of all time. Yeah. There we go. It's the outside stuff that gets me on this. And then this ending. Yeah. Bro, that's so good. Just absolutely You got to love perfect. a speed riff that ends with a bend. Yeah. Like that's Heck like, yeah. that's tricky. Like, um, uh, what is it? Michael W. Smith, uh, looking for place in this place world. in this world. I almost wore my Michael W. Smith t-shirt today. There you go. I almost did. All right. Um, uh, yeah. And then everybody's, before we play Crystal Ball, uh, everybody's favorite song about Kayla is that Clapton one, right? The Where there's an acoustic and electric version. He did it with Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> Wrote it for, sure. pa- wrote it for Patty Harrison. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the- Absolutely. I was like looking it up. I'm like, what's Clapton <laughs> Taylor? <laughs> the one that he didn't play when me and Rob saw it with the with the wallflowers. Oh, just wild. Just wild. What if the wallflowers had played it? Oh, man. If they like Clapton's done, they wallflowers back, come back and just like, play the worst the encore, version of Layla. That's the yeah. encore is them doing it <laughs> way fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, yeah. And then to uh to round it out, I'll play here's Crystal Ball by Sticks. I guess I, I could have gone Crystal Planet, Joe oh, Satriani, there but is there an actual Crystal Planet song? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that, I could have. That album's not bad. Yeah, no, it's a good, yeah, yeah. Love Song's my favorite song off that album, I think. There's a good guitar solo in this. Jump to the middle. Yeah. I don't have it time stamped in front of me, but. I used to like to walk the street and narrow line. I used to think that everything 
that's a fun at solo. Huh? Get to the big, the bigness of it all. Let's get bigger. So tell me, tell me, won't you tell me? I just gotta know. There it is. Find that guitar solo. Right there. Oh, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the keyboard solo. Synth solo, yeah. Flute solo. Flute synth. Yeah. There it is. That gives him time to swap from his twelve string to right. his electric. <laughs> Short and sweet. Short and there, sweet. Yeah, there's a, a biggie at the end. Okay. But anyway, good stuff. Yeah. Dude, what a fun episode. Thank what you to our episode. ladies. We both picked the same fame, favorite same song of For the each others. Other. That's yeah, good. That's great. Um, okay, yeah, shouts out to our wives. They're awesome. Thanks to them for, uh, su- you know, supporting us while we went out and chased something super fun. Right. And we're not and, uh, done yet, guys. We got Jock coming. Yeah, Jock Bartley of Firefall uh, coming up right after the right after the break. We got a uh, Jock Bartley of Firefall. He's going to join us for a little conversation about the album and the songs, Ben's legacy. And that's pretty good. And just just go off to that's how um, NPR uh, DJs snore. Like they breathe in mm-hmm. and then coming up after the break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll be back to tuck you in at the end. But first, let's go talk to Chuck Bartley. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with the one and only Jock Bartley of Firefall. Jock, thanks so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's, it's uh, great to be with you guys. Excellent. We're so excited to uh, get to chat with you all the way out in Colorado today. Um, and, uh, you know, that my, my research, I just keep coming up. We keep talking to guys who are part of that, like, 70s Colorado songwriting rock community, you know, I, all the, right. you know, um, what was, what was going on at that time in Colorado, you know, that was so special uh, about, I mean, so many just legendary acts of that era. We're, we're part of that Colorado community. Just yeah. Tell us a little well, about you know, that. what's interesting is it started before that. Of course, um, out in Southern California, the birds in the Buffalo Springfield started that whole family tree that included Poco and the Eagles and Graham Parsons and Loggins and Messina and all that kind of stuff. So all those people like Stephen Stills and Richie Fury and Joe Walsh and, and uh, Glenn Fry and Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and, and Bernie Ledden moved out to LA and invented folk rock and then country rock, you know? And what's, what a lot of people don't know is in the, Oh, early to mid seventies, a lot of the rock stars from Los Angeles got sick of living in Los Angeles and moved to the mountains above Boulder, Colorado. And that included Stephen Stills, Chris Hillman, Richie Fury, uh, uh, Carl Wilson of the beach boys, 
Um, Dan Fogelberg, of course, Joe Walsh. So many people moved to the mountains above Boulder. And yeah, you're right. For maybe four or five or six years, Boulder was the hot spot of everybody wanting to come and hang or play in Boulder or live in Boulder or visit Boulder. And it was really great. And that's where Firefall got together uh, in 1974. And, you know, Rick Roberts and I put the band together. And Rick Roberts, of course, uh, replaced Graham Parsons and the Flying Breeder Brothers. And, you know, to for me, as a fan of Southern California music when I was in high school or college, you know, the birds and the Buffalo Springfield to find myself being in bands with three of the birds was unbelievable. <laughs> Michael Clark with Firefall, Chris Hillman, we played a lot with him. Uh, and I played with Graham Parsons and Amy Lou Harris. And it was like, wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I got, um, and I should have asked this first at first off actually, but we, Colorado got introduced into the conversation early, but I need to ask is, is Jock a given name or a nickname? It's uh, my middle name, and it was my grandfather's name. Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay. And it was his, it was his given name? Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I see a few people named like that, and it's an odd name, and you can imagine that I heard every everything that I could with the name Jock by the time fifth and sixth grade rolled around. <laughs> so it's like, ah, you know, but hey, it's my name, baby. Hey, it's I'll my middle that. name, really. I'm James. James Jock Bartley, but I've always been called Jock. Uh, I got a question on, so your second album, Luna C, which is a great play on words, Lunacy, by the way, rework of originally titled project Tropical Nights. What kind of pressure comes with a second project following like a massive first album, you know, with top 10 right. singles? That, what's the, what kind of pressure well, that, comes with that? With that, the is a, that is a great, great question. And the truth is, is after, okay, when we formed the band, you know, and when we put together our first album after we formed, um, we had like 30 original songs to choose from. And it was easy. We just made the record and wow, it sounds great. And there were hits and it was, you know, some of the best songs. You know, six months later, we were due to go back in the studio. And a lot of bands with the sophomore jinx had used a lot of their good songs on the first album mm -hmm. and, you know, have trouble. And we made an album called Tropical Nights. Song of Ricks called Tropical Nights was kind of the feature of it. And Ahmed Erdogan, the CEO of uh, Atlantic Records, came out to the big playback party in Los Angeles to hear the second Firefall album. And he listened, and we all looked at him when he was done. And he said, <laughs> this album's not good enough. You guys need to go back in the studio. Rick, take a few months and write a few more songs. And hey, no problem. Go back and let's redo it and make a better second record. And he was absolutely right. Wow. And you know what? I look back, and I won't name any bands, but there were some bands of our time period in the 70s who had huge first albums and then good second albums, but nowhere near the sales or success as their first album. And it's that sophomore jinx where you use all your songs on the first album. We were fortunate. We're Rick Roberts and Larry Burnett we had a lot of songs to choose from that, and filled three or four albums worth. The uh, yeah. well, you didn't lead up, let up steam on the third one. I mean, Elon, the one with Strange Strange Way, that was was that your first one to reach platinum? Did I read that right? I know that one went yeah. platinum, right? And that was your first of the three. 
to hit platinum. Right. And it went platinum real quick, too, surprisingly. But yeah, Strange Way was a, a huge song for that. I found out many, many years later that our first album, which went gold faster than any album on Atlantic Records history, which was a surprise to me because <laughs> the Stones, Aretha Franklin, Led Zeppelin, I mean, the <laughs> Young Rascals, it's like, Jesus, That's we went gold faster than they did? Yeah. But anyway, I heard that when our album, our first album actually sold over a million copies and went platinum, Atlantic didn't tell us that, and they didn't want to have a band that was going in to renegotiate their record contract have a platinum record, you know? So they kept that gold for a couple of years and only wow. a couple of <laughs> decades later when, you know, I was checking into something else and I called RIAA and I said, Hey, can you tell me how, how many uh, albums Firefall, the first album sold? And they said, Oh, sure. They looked it up. It took them about 15 seconds. And they said, yeah, I think uh, you sold 1 million 400 and blah, blah, blah. And we went, Oh, and it's not platinum. We'll certify it today. You know, <laughs> so for 30 or 40 years later, we get a platinum record and should have had one a year later. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's so in the, in it's funny because you get, you know, pe people on our side of the industry who we grow up, you know, playing guitar and writing songs and how, how cool would it be to sign a record deal? Um, right. We talked to so many bands that, uh, and artists who at the very least have a kind of a mixed bag experience with, with labels. Um, what is it in the end is being part of that, the bigger machine. Is it worth it? Is it all it's cracked up to be? Yeah. If you're on the right side of the w worth it part <laughs> and firefall was really lucky because I'm an, I'm an Erdogan really liked firefall and really liked Rick Roberts and thought we were going to be really big, which he helped make us real big. And Atlantic was way behind us. Um, but you know what's interesting? And I saw so many bands that got a record deal and had songs and were hopeful. And the label, you know, many different labels, not just, you know, Atlantic, any label, you know, a lot of the labels would sign acts knowing that they weren't going to be a success and they wouldn't push them because they needed write-offs for losses against their Bruce Springsteen or something. Wow. wow. So, you know, and when I heard that, I went, are you kidding me? And they said, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, of course, probably some of the albums on those new bands weren't as good as they needed to be, or the label didn't hear that one hit song like they did with Firefall or, you know, other bands that really hit it big, you know, they didn't have a, you're still the one by Orleans or, right. you know, one of the, or an Amy by Pure Prairie League, you know, and unfortunately a lot of bands that had stars in their eyes and were being very hopeful ended up being in that category of the label knew that they weren't going to push them from the start. Wow. wow. How many, 150 interviews we've done over the course of the show and nobody's ever said that. I've never heard that before. That is, but that, uh, that's mind blowing to me. 
Wow. So from 78 to 82, we can just say there's a little bit of a downfall for Firefall. So in 82, you reworked Firefall and put a put out Break of Dawn LP and then right. Mirror of the World in 83, which is a little harder edged, which I really like. Was like this new too. phase of Firefall, was it fun to navigate or more of an undertaking? Or was it like, this is fun, let's do this. I like this. It was an undertaking. Okay. Because frankly... A lot of the bands in the 70s had acoustic guitars and big three-part harmonies. And when the 80s came around, that went out of fashion big time. You know, it was disco and, hey, then grunge out of Seattle and stuff. And on a couple of those later Firefall albums, I tried to, probably mistakenly, I tried to make us more rock and roll and less that acoustic guitar, just remember I love you kind of thing. You know, and we made a couple albums and some of them were really good and everything, but we didn't have a gold record for the longest time. And then when radio discovered classic rock in the late (laughs) 80s and 90s, you know, classic rock, you know, because people of my age, you guys are younger, but people of my age didn't have a lot to listen to on the radio in the 80s and early 90s. And so they wanted to hear Steely Dan or Little Feet or Firefall or Dan Fogelberg, you know. And so classic rock, because the the radio listening public demanded it, um, became a big thing. And then suddenly bands like us and all those other bands got airplay again. And hey, we can go tour some more. That's interesting. I haven't really I've never really thought about it that from yeah. from that perspective that like for a period of time that that era kind of became passe and it didn't just keep playing on the radio all the time. Right. Wow. And you know, the truth is, is that's good. You know, that every five or eight or 10 or three years, you know, there's, you know, there's a change in music, popular music. And you can go back to the forties and the fifties to when, you know, and when, you know, like for instance, when uh, Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly came out, it was like, Whoa. You know, music and popular music went a totally different direction. So, you know, it's it. I, you know, I'm not upset about disco or, and I like most of grunge and stuff. And it was kind of anti-commercialism. Grunge was, but yeah, you know. And a lot of times, people then go revisit what they listened to when they were growing up or when in yeah. college or something, and we fit right in that. Firefall is one of those bands who are probably most identified with a song uh, in in uh, You Are the Woman that doesn't necessarily like represent the full range of of what you guys did and who you were as a band. Um, right. And so I know some people say, like, I'm just glad to have written something that people want to hear. Some people wear it as kind of a burden. You know, I have to play this song every night because it's what you know, <laughs> puts butts in seats. So you're you're laughing, but I'd, I'm interested to know where you kind of where you are in that spectrum. Well, the truth is, I know how incredibly lucky I am to be in a band that has a hit as big as You Are the Woman, Mm. you know? And, um, you know, yeah, it's poppy. And we had probably eight songs on the first album, Ready and Done, Mexico and Cinderella, and all these great songs that were more indicative of what we were at. And then Rick brought in You Are the Woman. And we, all the guys in the band kind of went, that doesn't really feel like us, does it? But the producer went, that's going to be a hit. And he was, of <laughs> course, right, you know. And, you know, I, I know how lucky we are to have some hits 
And what's really cool about Firefall, unlike even some of the other bands of that time frame, there was the AM radio and we had, uh, you know, we had You Are the Woman and Just Remember I Love You and then Strange Way. And then there was FM radio with Mexico and Cinderella and other songs. So we had the best of both worlds. We were getting heavy airplay on both of those formats. That's great. That, that's awesome. One of my favorite analogies that you've given when you're like everybody, every woman age 18 to 24 wanted to be the woman in that song. And you got to act as like the Hallmark card. I love that analogy. <laughs> I love that was great. Well, it's true. And you know what? That was the great thing about Rick Roberts and Larry Burnett as our two songwriters, because it was me on lead guitar. It was Mark Andes from Spirit and Jojo Gunn on, you know, on bass. Michael Clark from the drum, uh, Birds. You know, and we knew how to make records and the late, great David Muse as our color guy on sax and flute and keyboards and stuff. Um, you know, Rick Roberts, not all of his songs, but many of his songs were written just for those 18 to 25 year old girls. And he wanted them to call the radio station and request his song and he'd make a lot of money. <laughs> You know, it's and there's business. nothing really wrong with that. Fa- can't fault him for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no. I mean, when Linda Ronstadt recorded Colorado by the Burrito Brothers, Rick suddenly realized how much money you could make on a hit record, mm-hmm. on a hit single. Now, Larry Burnett was the total opposite. Larry, when he wrote a song like Cinderella or some of these songs that he brought to us, was like a purging of his soul. <laughs> and this song would come out and we'd go, wow. You know, so we had soft to hard with Rick Roberts songs and soft to hard with Larry Burnett songs. And that's how good our first three albums were. That's Man, awesome. I that love that. So you're like the king of the name drop. Like I can't, I could list <laughs> 40 names that you've mentioned. So you toured with Willie Nelson, Doobie Brothers, Skinner, ELO, Fleetwood Mac, all kind of at their peak. If you could right. tour with one, you get one that you get to tour with at their peak. At their peak. Who do you pick? Well, I'm going to pick two, so okay, sorry. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> one and we got, to, we got to tour with both of them. Okay. Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Fleetwood Mac during Rumors. During oh, Rumors. Oh, yeah. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. But yeah, playing in front of fifty to 80,000 people a day in stadiums and basketball arenas and everything, those were really like the most amazing gigs. But one of the, I mean, we opened the last tour that the band did oh, with Robbie yeah. Robertson oh, and Lee Von Helm and Rick Danko and all those guys. And I'll tell you what, we play our 35 or 40 minutes opening act set. And then I would go find my place behind the curtain and I would be about 15 feet away from uh, behind the curtain watching Lee Von Helm sing and play drums with Garth Hudson right behind him. And sometimes they had that five piece Civil War horn section with them. and. I mean, the band, the first two albums by the band were two of the best American albums ever recorded. Yeah, man. I've just been, so it's funny. I've found myself to have been influenced by a lot of people who were influenced by the band without having ever really dug back into the band. So I'm like just in the last few years, kind of like following those trail of influences back to the source that they started from and getting into Robbie Robertson and into the band. But it's been a lot of fun to get there. And when I listen to them now, I hear so many of these acts that I love their music in, you know, protoplasmic form. It's really great. And with the Robbie. Protoplasmic. I I like that. (laughs) Thank you. 
Rob's our vocab guy. I'm going to use words like uh and and, but uh, yeah, with, and with the Robbie news this year, that I mean, that's really kind of kind of put the band back into the stratus. You know, that's kind of re-emerged them in ears that maybe for right. people that hadn't heard them as much. So. Right. And, you know, I mean, in the 70s, I was in my mid-20s, and the band were just about to break up. Loggins and Messina had just formed, and we're going to break up. <laughs> and we started touring with Fleetwood Mac during the White Album, and they realized that, we could play a kick past 35 or 40 minute set, whether we got a sound check or not, which a lot of <laughs> opening acts don't get sound checks. Hey, nice. okay, just plug in and go. And uh, so we got to be one of their uh, favorite opening acts for Rumors Tour, which that was the biggest band in the world then. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. The, Unbelievable. Uh, so I just look back at my career and I, you know, I thank my lucky stars and. I was a really good lead guitar player, but I had to be at the right place at the right time a couple of times to land into these situations. Speaking of timing, you you had a song called Just Remember I Love You, with, and Timothy B. Schmidt is on that song. Was he right. in Poco at the time, or was he already yeah. in Eagles? Okay, I didn't no, know. No, 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 he was, he was in Poco. And in fact, when we cut the first Tropical Nights, Firefall's second album, Just Remember, remember I Love You was on that, but we didn't cut it as good and it was a little slower and it was like a little languid. And when we got the, you know, Amit gave us the okay and the budget to go back in and, and redo part of the second record, we recut just remember, I love you a little quicker because it's not really a, a slow ballad. It's a mid tempo kind of, yeah. just you know, it's, it's cooking along. And, uh, you know, when it came time for the vocals, we were out in LA and we said, how about Timothy B. Schmidt? You know, he, he was famous then for being the great high singer. So he <laughs> sang all over that record. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, we want to be respectful of your time, Jock. I got a couple more questions. One we ask everybody. I, I'm good. But I'm good. To... I'm doing nothing. I'm done for the day. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we wanted to make sure that you had a chance to talk about your new album, uh, Friends and Family. There's so I love the way that you split the singing on it between John and Stephen and like the way y'all y'all each do different tracks. Talk a little bit about that. Well, after Mark Andes retired, and earlier than that, David Muse, our sax flute player, succumbed to cancer and died. Um, that was right before, and the, the Friends and Family album was kind of a lot about Mark Andes because he was in so many of those famous bands. The concept, for anybody who doesn't know, um, my manager called me uh, about a year and a half ago and said, you know, Jock, most of the Firefall original members played in other famous bands, like the Birds, the Flying Breeder Brothers, Heart, Spirit, Jojo Gunn, you know, Dan Fogelberg, in my case, uh, Graham Parsons and stuff. Why don't you guys do an album of just their songs? And the light bulb went on in my head, and I went, that's a great idea, but you know what? Let's expand that. In 1976, when our first album hit so big, we toured with all, just about every best band there was. And I said, so let's also include on songs we do on this album, Fleetwood Mac, uh, the Doobie Brothers, um, yeah, Leonard Skinner, Marshall Tucker, <laughs> yeah. Loggins and Messina. So... You know, once the concept was done and we had to pick very carefully, you know, because I remember one time I had no idea what what heart song to do. 
you know, and somebody said, how about Barracuda? And they went, no, 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 no. That's, that's a hard song. Nobody should do Barracuda, you know. And, you know, Lynn even said when he said the band, oh, great, you guys can do Up on Cripple Creek. And I went, no friggin' way, you know. <laughs> Levon Helm needs to sing that song. So we had to be pick very carefully. But Steve Weinmeister, who had been in the lead singer in Firefall for 23 years or something, he quit the band for five years and then rejoined right before Mark retired. And John Bisaha, who also sings and plays with the babies, unfortunately for us, they're not very busy, you know, and we, <laughs> and we get to have John on, <laughs> on all our touring and stuff. I had suddenly two great lead vocalists. And I'm the third singer in that blend, but I didn't even care if I sang on this darn record. <laughs> and yeah, I allowed myself to sing three three songs, uh, Can't You See and Ooh, Las see Vegas. And, and, uh... Yeah, a couple. But I'll tell you what, Steve and John, so as the producer of this record, I had to be very judicial and go, okay, if John's singing these three, let's see, Steven's going to sing these two and then that one too, you know. So I split it up to make sure that we had a nice vocal range and both of my lead singers felt like they were really contributing what they do. And I'll tell you what, as a producer, for me to have those guys sing a lot of the background vocal parts when there was a lead vocal done, you know, I'd have them, okay, Steve, you sing the high part and John, you sing the low part and they do it. And I'd say, that sounds great. Double it. So there'd be four of them. And then I'd say, okay, switch parts. Steve, you go on the bottom and John, you go on top. And then we double that. There'd be like eight of them sounding great. And the trick, of course, is to make it sound like two really good background vocalists. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's wonderful. I love the song selection. You talked, I mean, Long Train Running is one of my favorites. My dad's a huge Doobie Brothers fan, so I grew up. That's a wonderful choice on that. What do you think of that one? It's good. Oh, I like, it's I good. Think John, John does a great job on it. I think it's, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. John sings that great. So a few of the songs on this record, like Fogelberg's uh, Part of the Plan, we kept just like it was supposed to be. And I pretty much played the solo that Dan played because that's the Dan solo, you know? <laughs> Play the solo, you know? You know? And on Long Train Running, you know, uh, Tommy Johnson's original main rhythm guitar part is their signature Doobie Brother thing. You know, and if you listen to their version, there's a second guitar part in there that's not as prominent as the signature one, but it's a very important part of the song. And I decided to let's make their number two part be our number one part. And we'll kind of take the focus off the signature Tommy Johnson guitar you know, which is a great part of that song and you can't do it without that. And then uh, we added saxophone and, you know, and, you know, it just, I really like that version, but that's one of the ones that's a bit different. It's yeah. fun though. It's a lot it's of fun. fun. It, yeah, it yeah. sounds great. Sounds great. Well, I will uh, encourage our listeners to check it out for sure. Yeah. Uh, Friends and family, baby. Friends and family. There well, there's one question we ask everybody, Jock. You've been a lot of fun. It's been a blast. So yeah, you're on you. tour either with Firefall or you go out and do solo stuff. Let's say you're on tour and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of your gas station snack food of choice, I'll tell you what I get. I get a Three Musketeers bar. 
When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. So I get a three musketeers. <laughs> you went by the ounces. I get that. That's, that's right. You know what? What, what, what does John My get? favorite candy bar is not sold everywhere anymore, and it's a Baby Ruth. Okay. Oh. You know? But, you know, if I go into a – I'm trying to lose weight. I'm an old guy. You know, I got to watch my health. You know, I try to just get gas at gas stations and not buy potato chips or, hey, those cookies look really good. <laughs> well, here's to uh, cheering on your willpower. But next time right. we see you, we'll toss you a baby Ruth and we'll yeah. uh, we'll, we'll hang out. OK, you do that. It's been really fun. <laughs> Thank you, man. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Jock Partly of Firefall on the ones and twos. <laughs> Oh, you crazy cats and jammers. That's right. Goodness um, gracious. Man. All right. That's uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Great Song Podcast. We have two more episodes until we're done. No, is that right? No, we got a few more. We got a few more. Got okay. A few more. All right. All right. We are coming. This is middle of November. We'll go into December. Okay. We're, com- we're, so, we're coming up to the end. I had the sequence out of order. It's all good. Uh, yeah. We, but, we, uh, uh, we record a little different order than we typically release sometimes. It's so true. We're pro- just moving things all around, trying to squeeze in as much. You know, I don't you know. You guys have noticed, but like typically a season for us is 20 episodes. Yeah. Um, this is like 114 episodes. We're, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We just went, okay, if we're ending it, we're not going to put a break. And we're yeah. just going to go, 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 go all the way up to the end. So we've been going since February, guys. Yeah. There have been no breaks since February. Yeah. So, so the, the, definitely the only time we've ever done that. Yeah. The longest we've ever done in a season was 25 episodes. Yeah, that 20, was our first season. Very first. And then I was like. We I, did it a couple times. The first two seasons were 25. Okay. And then we adjusted down to 20. Okay. I think, but. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't do this I, like, I, I can't do 25 rob's running on fumes yeah so uh but anyway but now i'm really running on fumes by Dude, the time we hit the end i'm gonna right. be i'm just, pushing him to the end to absolute the finish line. it's like a rocky montage out it here is. right now you know i'm, I'm apollo in it and i'm yeah. like you better catch me that's right and then rob it, speeds past and i'm more like just Polly. i'm Polly <laughs> trying to go through the snow right um r.i.p no, burt young, Bert young this, this past week passed away this week as, as we, we record, record not as we release that's right so anyway it, listen if you've stuck around to the end here congratulations Thanks. Like you, you, you deserve something. All you Firefall fans that are just joining us for the first time, yeah, go back and listen to one of your favorite two hundred and fifty plus if, to choose from. If you are the, if you are a person who's, and I, see, I see the analytics, so I know how rare it is that anybody sticks around to the end of an episode. Right? Sure. I mean, it is extremely rare. <laughs> if you are the person who is listening to this right now. Send us a DM on Instagram <laughs> or on our you know Says podcast group, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. Um, just send us the word Polly, okay? <laughs> and we'll send you a prize. We'll, I'll send you something. We will send you something because you have earned it by listening to the end of this episode. Congratulations. You're one of the top one percenters that made it to the end of the video. <laughs> That's one of right. Kind of yeah. motivational thing. Yes. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you didn't make it this far, then you won't hear that. Congratulations. But we're still but thankful for you, We're too. still thankful that you were here. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, for all of you guys who have been listening so long to the show, thank you so much. We'll see you next week with another great episode. Uh, until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>